Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hi and welcome everybody and this is Lucinda Carney and of course this is our sixth episode in our virtual people management series, a subset of our HR Uprising podcast. So thank you so much for all of those of you who are new listeners. Um, I've loved hearing from you where you've told me that you're enjoying what we're doing with the management series and in fact I've had a number of LinkedIn connection requests where people have suggested other topics that I can look at for the future, which I'll definitely look at. So thank you for that. And I'm also really delighted that many of you line managers are finding relevant topics in the back catalogue of the HR Uprising podcast. So if you haven't come across that and you want to see what we've talked about in the past, we have got a back catalogue of 75 episodes. Um, If you go to hruprising.com, you can see them and they're categorised. And a number of them are HR specific, but a vast number of them are also much more general. So grateful to those of you who've been reaching out, been telling me that you're enjoying what I'm doing. I'll carry on trying to do that. Uh, It really is a massive motivator to know that things that we're putting out there are useful. So I'm so grateful to you. And again, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please do um, consider giving us a review uh, on whichever podcast you're listening to. Reviews really help us to be found um, and tell your colleagues if this is useful to you. So we've been talking about the PERFORM Virtual Performance Management or People Management um, process or model. Uh, Don't worry if you haven't heard of it before. (laughs) I made it up. I just thought it seemed to be appropriate. And I've been involved in management leadership training for years and years and years and performance management. And uh, it occurred to me that it's always helpful to have a mnemonic to think about things. And this just seemed to work with what was useful. So a quick recap for those of you who have come in late or let's just test your recall on what we've talked about with the PERFORM model. So the P standard, of course, for people first. With virtual performance or people management, there's nothing more important than building trust and understanding our people as individuals. Gone are the days where pure hierarchical, top-down people management works. This is much more about collaboration because we need people to be able to be autonomous. We want them to know what to do and to be productive and deliver outputs without us having to breathe down their necks. So I feel it's a new age of people management. Uh, It's the right time. It's the right time in terms of the different generations of people coming into the workplace. Um, The whole management by objectives, which actually, that's not to say objectives are not important, um, which is the E for expectations. That sort of more about the um, autocratic style of leadership is not appropriate for the virtual world. We have to collaborate with people and know them as individuals. So P stands for people first. E stands for expectations, which is about clear expectations to help people perform. So that can come in the form of objectives. It can come in the form of KPIs. Uh, It could be targets, milestones, OKRs, 
really doesn't matter as long as both you and the individual concerned share the same vision of what good looks like. R is about regular review, so making sure that we are, have a, a cadence and a regularity to our uh, meetings with our in, with the people that we work with, because that gives them the confidence that they can raise issues. You can also give feedback and um, recognition at these meetings. And if you don't diarise them, the real risk is that you get disconnected. So having a, a cadence of regular reviews is really important, particularly in a virtual workplace. Feedback we talked about last week and we talked about the vital importance of specific feedback, of owning feedback, talking about the impact of the feedback and um, being prepared to just get into the habit of regularly providing quality feedback that is uh, specific and timely and behavioural as well. So it's not about a judgment, it's about the behaviours. So this week we can all spell perform is about O and that stands for ownership culture. My belief is that the ownership culture is going to be the key differentiator between businesses that are thriving in virtual times and those that are struggling. Command and control cultures that are about directing and micromanagement, they just are not going to have the visibility that they crave when we're working remotely. The problem with that is it leads to a culture of suspicion and lack of trust. And in return for that, if you don't feel trusted, people are either going to feel quite anxious, which can affect their performance, or they're more likely to exhibit presenteeism. They're going to do the bare minimum. They're going to play the game. Uh, Low trust cultures. Again, we surveyed people on this. High trust cultures, 80% of respondents, we had over over 100 respondents, 80% of people felt that a high trust culture resulted in high performance. Only 20% of people felt that there was no correlation between culture and performance. And 3% thought high trust related to um, uh, 3% thought high trust actually with low performance. So 97% of people think that performance is not, the trust is likely to be neutral or is going to have a positive impact on performance. Low trust, 80% of people felt that a low trust culture impacted performance negatively. So we need to have a high trust culture where we're modelling our performed behaviours And in this case, there is a key skill which is prevalent in managers that are good at empowering people and promoting ownership. What do you think that skill might be? So the skill is the skill of coaching. So it's coaching rather than directing. If we're able to coach people, we create accountability and with that comes ownership, which leads to autonomy, high motivation, it creates, it's create, provides creativity because it gives people the room to think and the freedom to think for themselves rather than closing them down with other ideas. Managers who are good at coaching, they will support people to set and achieve more challenging goals in their own right, as well as motivating them to do more. And it will also coach them to develop themselves. Now, it's interesting because I've heard many a manager in my time saying, oh, I gave them some coaching or I coached them. And I might have heard what was said. And in actual fact, I would have said that they gave them direction. Many managers do think that they are coaching when they're actually directing or they're simply having a chat. Coaching isn't a chat. It feels like it's got a specific purpose, which is about expanding the coachee or the the individual's thinking, getting them to think for themselves. And in most cases, it should have some sort of outcome or actions If we start giving advice or telling people how to do things when coaching, 
What we're doing is we're taking away the opportunity for the person we're coaching to grow and develop by thinking for themselves. The problem with that is that they are then reliant on us to give the answers. They're losing that element of accountability and ownership. Now, I'm not saying you can't give any advice or suggestions or direction, particularly if you're in the habit of doing it. And also, perhaps you've got a very new member of staff who who hasn't done something before. In those circumstances, yeah, well, directing is the right approach. But where possible, asking people what they think they should do or how would they go about approaching something is really much more productive. So I would say advice, suggestions or direction, and they're not banned completely, but they should be secondary rather than the default behaviour. So in this context where we're saying we need to be coaches as line managers in order to promote ownership, I'm going to refer to a really well-known coaching model, which you might have come across before. It's called GROW. Now, this this model was originated out of sports coaching, I think, historically. Um, But the GROW is just really easy to, to remember. And there are others, by the way. But it stands for goal. So G stands for goal. R stands for reality, O stands for options, and W stands for will, as in what will you do or what next. So it's often used as a traditional coaching model if you went to go and work with a coach. And in those circumstances, it might be very, very open-ended. So if you went to go and pay a coach for coaching, they might say, well, what do you want to talk about? And it's about you to decide what that goal is. And that's fine when you're paying a coach to go and work in something maybe about your personal development or your career path or your a, a challenge in case, a specific challenge. But in this case, I would say that possibly the G or the goal is already pre-agreed because it may well be how do we achieve a stated business objective? So we've, cl- we've got clear expectations or we know that Let's say we might use a GROW model to clarify expectations. So we have a a clear stated overall business objective to achieve a certain sales target or market share or um, deliver a product on time. So we might have that stated business objective or we might have a personal development aspiration or shared goal. And we might use GROW coaching to help take ownership of that and gain clarity. So let's give some examples here as to how we might be using a goal or expectation that's already been defined as a business objective, milestone or KPI or something that we're working on there. So we might have used our coaching questions in order to determine this expectation. But what we might want to do now is coach to make it smart and to gain ownership. So if I was asking goal questions, the sort of things I might say are, how can we define this objective or goal more specifically? Or what needs to be done to achieve this expectation by the agreed deadline? Or how can we break this down into achievable milestones? So notice all of these are open questions. We do need to get good at open questions. And I'm sure you know what an open question is. What, where, why, how, who, careful with the why. So asking open questions, which allow people to say more than a yes or no answer. We use closed questions, yes or no answer questions when we're trying to narrow things down. And coaching, we want to use open questions because we want the individual to think for themselves. So then we might think about the reality. So we've identified what the goal is. We've agreed that specifically with the individual. We then need to understand where we are currently. So that's clarifying the current reality so that we can work out what key obstacles or priorities there are that need to be overcome 
in order to achieve this expectation. Now, some of this is going to be about working out, actually, when we're making a goal smart, is it achievable? Because there might be things that are going to stop us. So you might say something like, so where are we currently in relation to this goal? What might get in the way or what might stop us from achieving this by this deadline? What's the gap that we need to close? The really open questions there about where are we currently? And then you can always see someone visualising. They've started with where they're going. We've gone back to where are we currently? And then if you think about it, I was thinking of a little bit like an arc. What are our options? So the third element is what are the options? Now, this is where it's very tempting if you're a problem solver, my manager, there's a, you might want to offer your own solutions at this point um, rather than challenging the individual to come up with these solutions for themselves. So really try and hold your tongue at this stage um, because it's really helpful if you can uh, just let the individual think for themselves because this is where the ownership steps in. So we might say something like, how might you achieve this goal? And they might know, I don't know. Well, what options could we try? What other solutions could you think of? What resources could you draw on? Who could help you? Sometimes when you're coaching somebody and it's uh, maybe non-objective related, so what, you might say something, if I I waved a magic wand, what might you try? Or what have you discarded? What ideas have you had that you've discarded? So even silly ideas, it's helping people to think really freely and creatively. If people do get stuck at this point and you've got to really push them to think for themselves, then maybe you might say, would it be helpful if I gave you a suggestion? Or you know, my type want me to give you some context or to add in there. So it's appropriate there, but only if the person's stuck. And bear in mind that if you are in the habit of giving solutions and you're making them feel rushed, they will just say they don't know and then um, wait for you to tell them the answer. And that's not ownership. So if you do end up giving a suggestion, they say, yes, that might work, then I'd actually say you really do need to coach hard on this last bit, the will, to make sure that they've got the ownership. It's not just your idea that they're doing. So the will is what will you commit to or what next, what actions? So this is about conversing, conversing, sorry, (laughs) conversion of our discussion into an action plan. So the more clear and Um, bought into the action plan that the individual is, obviously the greater the ownership and the greater the likelihood of success. So you might say something like, weighing up the relative pros and cons of each option, which one do you think is your favourite? Or what do we need to do to make this a reality? What steps will you take to make this happen? What obstacles will we overcome? How are you going to make this a reality? There's lots of questions that you can ask like that and get them to say, well, what step do you need to do first? Where will you start? When will you start it? So you can really get them thinking right down to the nitty gritty. The key is they're very, it's very specific, but they know exactly when they're going to get it done by, what they need to do. And it came out of their mouth, not yours. Then they're much more committed. It's also much easier to come back and say, you told me you were going to do this by that deadline. You said it, it was your deadline. Why didn't it happen? So it's much, much easier Um, I say to hold people accountable if it was their methods that you're supervising rather than your instructions. Some coaches go on to test for commitment. I'd say this might be a bit artificial on a line manager role unless it's a very sort of um, high coaching thing. But the coach might say something like, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you can make this happen by the deadline? They say something quite big, you know, how how realistic is it that you can make this happen given all the other things that are going on? Um, in the other priorities you can't drop they might go ooh. and if they say something if they say lower than an eight I would say it's possible that 
um, they've been overambitious or they've just gone along with the conversation, perhaps to please you, and they may not have taken full accountability. So if that's the case, then say, okay, so what do we need to do to make this an eight where you feel at least 80% confident that you can achieve this by the deadline? Do we need to change the deadline? Do we need to change the deliverables? Do we need to take something else off your plate? Listen to me giving suggestions there. Um, I really ask them what they want to do and see what they say. Um, you can, of course, make suggestions and uh, just caught myself doing that. And then once you've done that, get this person to document it. So capture this. So um, if you are using a system, capture it in the system so you can refer back to it. You've got some really nice, clear goals or milestones and get the individual to write it. So it's in their words, their language. So much easier to keep them, um, keep them responsible for it. And the ownership is, you know, they'll be clarifying it in their own head as they write it up or type it up. So other tips I'd say around coaching is be open-minded if the options or solutions that someone proposes are different from the ones you would choose. I appreciate that you may even know that what they've chosen will not work or is unrealistic. It's a question to you as to whether or not it's worth them going through the learning of experiencing that for themselves. The other thing I would say, certainly in my experience, is that sometimes just because it didn't work for us, that was a different person and a different time and a different place. It may be but it might work for this individual. So maybe if you think something's wildly unrealistic, get them just to try a bit of it and then check in quite quickly to see if it is working or not. Don't let them suffer in silence, but don't feel you have to jump in even if you don't think that option is realistic. You might say, what are the pros and cons of that option? Are there any other options you can think of? Which are the best ones? So you can ask more questions. It's best not to say, no, that won't work. And so that's the same sort of principle here. I'm saying guide people, try not to tell and try to avoid giving the answers very different from what people think is coaching. Quite tricky if you uh, like to help and like to be a problem solver and if you're a bit of a hurry up person as I am. Demonstrate that you believe in the person. Back to the people first here. Make sure that you believe that they, you believe in their ability to find solutions. So, you know, have a supportive tone of voice, supportive language. Um, You can't really rush coaching. Um, Be positive and solution focused. Always be positive, trying to bring them up and ask, what can you do? If people go, I can't do that. Okay, so what can you do? What part of that could you do? You can drill into why don't you think you would do that or what's going to stop you. You can go down the sort of, um, you know, what can't, you know, what is it you don't think you can do to understand the problem, maybe to help fix it. But often it's better to flip things into the positive and say, okay, so what aspect of it can you do? Or if we took away that reservation of working with that person, what would make it possible? What needs to be the case for this to be achievable? So all of those questions, you hear how they're all future focused. You're, you're probing for options. You're getting that person to think in a solution way. If you do need to steer them and give a guidance, then maybe just ask permission first rather than saying, I think this or my advice is. So you might say, how would you feel if I made a suggestion? So get permission. They'll always say yes, but get permission first rather than it's good discipline for us. Um, And in a virtual environment, listen really closely to the tone of voice to understand whether that person really is committed. You sound a bit unsure. What's your reservation? What's holding you back? What's stopping you? What needs to be the case for you to sound really confident? Because people will try and say things to please you. And then final summary points on this topic of ownership. What I would say is enabling ownership and accountability is absolutely key to successful virtual performance management. It really is key. Coaching rather than directing is one of the main skills that we need to develop in order to do this. And many of us are not that skilled at it. So this may require us to be developed. Often we think that we're coaching when we are chatting or directing. 
Um, so directing is where we're telling and that's not really coaching. That's not helping people to think for themselves. That diminishes the ownership. Um, chatting might come up with some solutions and ideas, but you need to then coach it to a conclusion and the next steps for it to be coaching. And again, get that ownership and accountability. You can use this GROW model, which is um, goal, reality, options, and what if or what next. And that gives us a nice, simple coaching structure that helps us work through it to encourage ownership. So you can always read up more on the GROW model if you're interested. And it's not wrong to give pointers or direction, but try and hold yourself back. Only use them when the person is genuinely stuck, not because you can't stop yourself from jumping in and making that suggestion, however well-meaning. So that's it on our topic of ownership. That's a whistle-stop tour through the GROW model. And certainly this is something I can share with you uh, Naturally, it's something we can understand intellectually, but I would really recommend that you practice the skills of grow, maybe get some the opportunity to go on a, a session where you can develop the skills more um, and, and really get the feel for it, get into the habit of coaching because it's not that easy um, and it does require practice. So this could be something that's worth developing as a leadership management skill. And if you want to work with us to do that, I um, will be running a great, there is a, a module on coaching as part of our virtual performance management um, program, which starts in November. So if you're interested in more of that, check out the show notes, you'll be able to see the links to that and, uh, and you could join up and actually get some skills development in that area. So that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Do tune in again next week. And we're going to our second R. And next week, it's all about recognition. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 